0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Marketing Misfits, episode 34. This is going to be a good episode, man. I already feel it. Um, this is the retail episode. You're going shopaholics, that's why. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is this the is worst is the, group. This is the COVID retail <laughs> episode. Y'all going to appreciate the song I got for us, intro too. I'm excited.
1: I'm ready. Drop it. Wow.
0: Episode 34 of the Market and Podcast. This is a retail COVID episode. I am Mike Summers. Dave Smith. Duke Cornelius, Jeff McHenry. Throw it in the bag. Yeah, money, throw it in the bag. Just throw it in the bag, I just
1: throw it in the bag. I don't
2: know how much it costs, but I know this bitch is bad. Walk up to that register like I ain't know it had a tag. I'm no liar, I don't fuck. i am a to buy what she wants. She wants to get what
3: she desire, what she wants In my lady like they eatin' She's such a boss bitch She can hire who she want She can help me blow this screen. She the fire to my blood. You can try it if you
2: want but it's gonna cost you Bags with the jeans.
0: Bab always has a bag to reach into oh, <laughs> Always has a bag to reach into
2: Nigga <laughs> ain't
3: nigga let see <laughs> if They say it ain't trickin' If you got it They lying I say it ain't trickin'
1: If you got her She mine You niggas ain't gotta worry about her She fine My player calls <laughs> a pool You niggas Be mine
0: Episode 34, be so Infinite Podcast. Throw it in the bag, remix.
2: I really enjoyed that. Thank Yo. you. I did. I say,
0: that was excellent, Michael. I told you I'm all off the dome today, man. It's all off the dome. You gotta do this every day now. You know what's,
1: what's crazy about that song is that he had Dream on the Original and then sampled his voice for and, the I, remix. It, it, yes. It killed his that yeah. like,
2: That's oh, crazy.
0: That's great.
1: I sampled my own shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> recycling, man. Y'all always telling us to recycle, we recycling. Exactly. <laughs> I appropriate
0: myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy flex. That's a crazy flex. Uh, Jay Z gonna take that bar for next yeah, it's coming. It's coming.
1: Entrepreneur remix. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so this is the retail um, episode. We want to talk about a few key things that are that we're seeing um, in COVID and how things may or may not change um, after. Uh, actually, so speaking of the the song, we're kind of overplaying or, or play played over for for that intro. Uh, there was an interesting article uh, from Rolling Stones talking about stores mis- misusing background music um, to help kind of promote sales. Uh, Jeff, do you actually want to give us the details on the article?
1: Uh, yeah, hold on, let me pull this. I'll one. put Jeff on, a, uh, on yeah, the spot you on that one. The man. <laughs> man. Um,
0: so there was, and and I, I kind of give the, uh, the highlights. Okay. Um, in essence, Apparently, which I didn't know, it is illegal to be using your personal streaming rights within stores um, or any kind of um, any type of uh, company establishment. Um, and there's actually been a company. I can't think of the name of it. Maybe Jeff will see it before I do. Um, who is actually. Is soundtrack your brain? Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, who is actually partnering with labels um, on developing a. Um a separate streaming partnership and, and kind of contract to as opposed to your nine ninety nine subscription you have Spotify paying a 30 dollars subscription uh, for your 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 um, retail. Um, and the rationale is they're saying if if my song is helping you you know sell more product, then we should be compensating more to those artists and and everyone yep. else involved on the back end.
1: Yeah, because the biggest thing is that, or what a lot of people don't realize, essentially anywhere you you hear music, the label is typically getting a cut of that. On top of that, in this case with the the stores, the artists aren't getting paid for their music being played. And you know, when you go into you know H and M's, this is when the world is normal. But <laughs> like when you go into all these different stores, the artists aren't getting any sort of cut. Uh, from that. So what this company has done is created a playlist of different songs that these different uh, businesses can choose from in order to play in their stores and also ensure that the artists are properly compensated uh, for that. And so it's one of those interesting things where we don't realize like even little things like if I wanted, if I own a store and I want to play a little playlist of music like the artist ain't getting to cut off that. Um, and so I think what's what's really cool about this initiative is that it's it's creating an avenue for the artists to continue to get paid wherever their music is played.
2: It should be noted that the person that started this company mm-hmm. also was the COO of Beats by Dre. Yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> to understand, yeah. he understands yeah. the realm of music. So yep. it's not
0: just some random situation. I also, can I call bullshit on it a little bit? Taunton. Uh, I, I agree, by the way. And, and, <laughs> and I don't want to... One, everybody go out there and get their bag. Um, so so from a business perspective, go out there you see you see a business opportunity develop it. I'm not calling bullshit on you. you do that. Um, as a, a business that's paying on the other side, if I buy fancy plates, do I need to be paying those the people you know Macy's that I bought these plates from more because it's helping me you know sell, sell my dinner more. It, if the colors on my wall um, are making people buy more, uh, clothes. Like, do I pay whoever made that color more? Like, at a certain point, it's even. It is, this even goes into kind of like sampling. Mm. At a certain point, you're taking pieces of other people's art in order to make your own art. And I don't know where you can draw the line. Like, if you start paying people m- more for music for selling it, and, and if your music sucks and it, I sell less product, do I pay you do I, less? Do I, no. Do I get a refund?
3: Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. I think the biggest hole is what if I'm the homie that's really into music. A.K.A. Mike. So what if Mike plugs his laptop in, all that music is owned, you know, and I'm not streaming it, then what? Yes. That artist is still helping me. Does that mean that I, you know, shafted him out the bag? No. So yeah. I, I do feel like it's kind of bullshit. But I would say the other side of that coin is we all know whether it's the different movies or even, you know, Nipsey Hustle. shout out, you know. Un, people understanding the different value for different not only platforms that you're streamed on, but just the value of your music. And it's like artists have come a long way, and I want them to get their bag, but it's, this is a
2: sticky situation.
0: It is. <laughs> and as a DJ, I actually, I mean, I grew up in an appster age. Like, I, I bootlegged music all through DJing <laughs> because I couldn't want Don't snitch
2: on yourself, man. No, it's fine.
0: <laughs> but one, like, as uh, uh, being on the radio, you give me your music for free to pub it. Two, as a DJ who's trying to play your music and get you more sales. I can't afford to buy every single album that comes out and of still course. make income. Like, it, and I and I I'll pay into a record pool and and you know I'll, I'll do that to exchange music. And there are avenues for that, but at the same time, it's like there's a certain aspect of like this is promoting your music and getting you exposure. And I don't know where we're drawing that line of everybody has to get a, a have their hand in. in the It's like that free
3: internship, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think the only thing that I would challenge on that is like it depends on how much you value the experience. So part of that, too, it's like if you open a bar and you want to actually show uh, you want to show basketball, you want to show sports or whatever, you are going to have to pay for that. You can't go and have a Netflix account and then start playing crazy movies like in in your establishment without there sort of being some repercussions from that as well. So like all those things, music is just vastly undervalued. And I think that's what you're starting to see. And whether we agree with like how much value the music should actually have, historically, especially because customers expect that to be a free commodity, yep. it's vastly undervalued. So yes, when you go into a store... They're playing the right songs. You're getting in the zone. You're going through listening to your fab and dream. Like, you might actually buy more stuff. There's studies that a show that that could actually happen. So that's creating the experience in your store. So, like, if you realize the power of music in terms of knowing what to play, how to kind of affect your consumer's moods, then it's absolutely worth the premium cost. It's just that historically, music has been vastly undervalued, and that's the bigger issue. Well, I don't want
2: but, to – but in a time of COVID <laughs> and not having those – or those interactions with stores being few and far in between, as a consumer, I don't want those costs to trickle down to me. No, you, it doesn't. Like, flow. I'm saying, I can see a world where it, it will.
0: Eventually. You know what I'm saying? Because
2: yeah. this is overhead now. Yeah. if you're talking about experience, this is no different than me putting a, a a chair in the in the in the waiting room area before the dressing rooms.
1: But that, but again, I think it depends on. Again, these are this this service broke at the wrong time. So mm-hmm. let's just oh, like, let's, let's, just let's keep fact, that. Funky, let's just call it fact to fact. But let's say if it were the right time, in reality, the fact that. Even with the gentlemen that at this table, you go to a bar, you go to a, a store, or whatever. When the music is right, you have a different experience. This is true. And I agree. The, it, you have a different experience. You might even choose which establishment you go to based on what music that they play for the
2: bar, but not the shopping.
1: It, it depends. Like if you're sitting there and all you're listening to like is crazy BPMs from some EDM music, mm-hmm. like you might be like, get me the fuck out of here."
2: I was. I was also going to tell you because I live in New York, I have headphones in every time I go shopping.
1: True. And that's a very specific thing to New York. I agree. the New York York way of life. I agree. People who are in their cars, driving, going into stores. Absolutely. It could be a little bit different. But I I say all that to say this, is that historically music has been undervalued, and that's why these sort of things are going to start happening. Because people are just trying to get the money that they've been due for however many years. So it's just a pendulum swinging I just think this is a music unique
0: thing. So I I just don't know where you draw the line between – Again, if you're shopping, the tables, the paint on the wall, the the building that it's in, Deer Park gonna get a
2: gonna get a, a cut of the water they give me. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> like I don't keep me know. hydrated while I'm shopping. Yeah, yeah. If you go into Tiffany's, you get champagne. Does that champagne company get? You need to pay more for that bottle of champagne.
2: I do agree with you, though. I do believe that it is undervalued, but I think we need to pick and choose our spots with where we are going to lean into it heavy. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't. Yes, I think we're getting to the point where we're trying to overcorrect for what Napster did to the music industry 15 years ago.
1: And not even just, in and to be totally candid, not just what Napster did in the music industry, what the labels have done to music artists. Agreed. And I'm for 100% I'm on board with that. Yeah. So like any, any avenue for artists to be able to enhance their revenue stream. Agreed. I will hundred percent support that idea. However ridiculous it sounds because <laughs> artists have been owed. So like, I agree with you on that. You know what I mean? So that, that's my only, that's fair. My only thing. Yep. And ain't got no toll money right now. None.
0: No. Right, um, I actually want to get into you with you guys. Um, and we, we have an article here. We can get into this article or not, but, um, just around drops, um, during, during COVID. Um, I like to, so, so I think everybody on, on this podcast knows, we drop culture, uh, one thing we didn't explain I said I said get your bag. Uh, that's kind of slang um, <laughs> get get money if you're a uh, marketer that doesn't
2: know that term yeah, you're yeah. listening to the wrong podcast yes,
0: get your money um but so drop culture um, which of kind of dropping in its list of product that that has a limited um, supply um, in a short period of time so Supreme Palace um, as, as examples Nike um just kind of one of you guys, this kind of perception of uh, an experience of drop culture over COVID. It
2: sucks because everybody's home and they're not distracted at work, and I can't get any sneakers. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> when ten, when 10 a.m. comes, <laughs> yeah, because tomorrow I'm gonna to be on it for that Jordan Three, the Denims. I'm trying to get tomorrow. I miss the silver joints, and I'll be, I'll be sick. I'm be sick because
0: everybody's at home. But I will say, so, so two things for me: one, the, the resale value on them has been pretty good, but good as a buyer, it depends. As a as a buyer, mm. depends on the shoe. It does depend on the shoe because
2: the the lower tier, to mid tier sneakers, your Jordan ones, like the Royal Toes, like those aren't going to move the way. Like you need to hit a home run. The Ben Jerry joints, the Travis Scott joints, these are all sneakers by Nike, by the way, folks. And Damn. it depends on the actual shoe. It's more nuanced now than it was before.
0: It is, and typically just to kind of describe the culture. So you have these these sneakers. Uh, just using Nike as an example, you have these sneakers drop, um, the next hour on Stock X and um. Goat. goat you you'll see these same sneakers for a a higher price which also tells you what the demand is so like there as long as there's a higher price then i, I think the job culture is is going strong um i think during covid that price has gone down even though all these things have sold out because i, I just my guess is we just have less money floating around the economy great um but then also, there's a a problem. What gets me frustrated is I don't I don't win on any drops. I stopped. I just I'm in a group chat with with every drop that goes through it. So I just watch it to so <laughs> I know what I need. But always lose because of the bots and mm-hmm. and, and bots. Uh, you know, people and for for people on the podcast, like people are just making uh, bots on their computer who are beating out everybody for these 10 a.m. drops on on yep. Nike.com yep. and then just reselling and making the market out of it. Yep, mm-hmm.
2: That's
3: I'm on, on the app right now. I can't believe I brought this up, man. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they over there depressed boy. You that counting kind of your L's? Look <laughs> there's only certain things that I've missed out on. Um Shameless Market and Memphis plug for the read though. i um, excuse me, not the read um, which is also a great podcast. Um, for the daily. Um there was an episode recently on the Sunday read called Sweatpants Forever. And while it's not about tennis shoes, it does talk about drops, fashion, supply chain, and how COVID has affected everything. I would highly recommend it for anyone yeah. who's remotely interested in fashion and and I guess the uh, the politics and the world behind of what we buy and what we put on every day. It's, True. A, it's a really True. great
0: episode. And and we also don't promote other podcasts. <laughs> podcast.
1: I was waiting for you to say that. I, yo, I saw Mike scoot up in his chair, I was like, Oh we about, about to get up. <laughs>
2: no,
1: no
0: other podcast <laughs> exists. Shameless plug. Shameless plug um <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, have you have you guys been picking up L's, picking up W's? Do you think it's Do you think drop culture post COVID is this is going to be the same
1: pre COVID? Well, I I think the interesting thing to keep an eye on is just uh, the supply and demand nature of it all right cuz drop culture is built on having limited supply so there's more demand exclusivity so yeah. what's happening now is obviously the amount of clothing that can actually be produced is probably going to decline just because of supply chains and and all that sort of stuff so there may be a world where drop culture almost becomes the norm and it could affect just sort of uh how that culture exists in the first place but an important thing to note is that drop culture is also built off hype so like to that point, if you can't build something that's intriguing enough uh, to build that demand, to build that hype, then drop culture doesn't necessarily work. However, what's happening now is that you're seeing more brands going direct to consumer with small quantities of products selling out of it. So the revenue is great from being able to do business in that way. So it's I don't know how it's necessarily going to affect drop culture, but I think the supply and demand nature of it, and especially the D2C aspect of it direct to consumer – uh, is also something interesting to observe. Yeah, so if,
2: you, if you take a look at the tech field, for that for that matter, if you look at Apple, they're talking about how the next phone will, will be the regular size version of the phone will will drop normal a uh, normal time September, um, and the larger uh the larger size the max whatever that is of the iPhone will be dropped in October because of supply chain issues. So I think that that's going to continue to be an issue for a lot of different companies, of companies. across industries, right? Because if you were only doing a limited drop and you can't get you can't get it for the date that you wanted it because a lot of these drops are really supposed to be drops weren't designed for it to be a sustainable model for for releasing product yep it was built to be a shot in the arm for you to be able to be top of mind for your name to be out there and you know Nike has perfected this because every time there's a shoe drop, the sneakers app trends on Twitter. Yep. Swear, I swear to you, since March, anytime it's a sneaker drop that people want it, the next five minutes, they're tweeting about how they did not get the shoe. Mm-hmm. Or, or for the, for the 10 people on the planet that actually got them, they're tweeting about how they did get it. So, yeah, I, to great, to, 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 Jeff's point, I, I don't think that, I don't think, I don't think it's going to change much, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be, um, people are going to scale it and you, and use it in the wrong way. Yep. And they won't really understand why it won't work, but really it's because your brand cachet—you you haven't, you know, you're new to this, you're not true to this. So. <laughs> <Right>.
0: And, <laughs> and the, the, <laughs> the supply chain um, aspect of it, the, or supply and demand aspect rather um, of it, they actually referenced in um, an article that, that we're referencing on, on high, high beast. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that really kind of talks about. <laughs> so there's some there was some feedback, and they interviewed a lot of different people who were in the industry, and they asked do you think the supply is getting um, too high because so many people are doing drops now? Mm. And what they the answer back was no, because one, the idea of a drop is limited edition. So it inherently is not oversupplying. Uh, what's oversupplying is is fast fashion, and you look at H and M, who's burning, you know, tons of, of clothes. Ten tons, like, yeah, ten. yeah, <laughs> of yeah clothes. exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Ten, ten. To, I think 2017. 2017. Um, mm-hmm, I and mean, I just say that because I think they actually have an initiative for you to bring back clothes to to H&M H yeah, and M for recycling, and they
2: give you a discount.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that they they have changed that now. But those aspects are what's um as was oversupply, and as long as you see, you know, this resale market a higher price and, and then that says that the demand is, is still there. Yeah. Um, there may be an aspect of us just buying too much shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, that's that's an actual thing. Yeah in American culture. Well, yeah. We, we bu- consume. Yeah. And we but we buy so much and we give away so much. John Oliver has a great episode about the donation. Um, culture in America and how they can't take anymore. There's not enough people
1: to to take these clothes. Yeah. I I think one interesting case study to think about as it relates to drop culture is what's happened with Yeezy brand. I mean, so Mm -hmm. if you remember when it first started with Yeezy uh, and Adidas, it was limited quantities. And then they just sold out of all that stuff. And they built the hype. You got the resale market. But what's happened, and actually how Kanye became a billionaire, mm-hmm. is that they started to release more massive quantities of that product. And so what ended up happening is that they didn't have the limited supply and were able to sell out of that stuff. But then they actually were almost operating at, like, normal sort of supply with, like, the more recent releases. And they ended up selling out of that product because they had already built a cachet around the brand. So... That's just something interesting just that I've observed over the past few years in terms of, uh, you know, how it started with drop culture and then slightly evolved from there.
0: Yep. Yep. I should respect um, drop culture uh, that I think has been traditionally more of like your hype beast brands like a Supreme, um, but Nike being able to kind of do it adequately and, and, and lead as a mega brand, uh, a lot of times, like uh, us large brands, kind of look at these smaller brands, like being able to be more nimble and be able to do things that that um, larger brands can't do. Nike's done it, mm-hmm. and done it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: Nike, lead, Nike. The thing about Nike, and this was a Harvard Business Review article that I sent you all earlier, and it was it was like the new baseline is like the brick and mortar was already going. It only further ex- accelerates something that we've already known. We've already been going to the store less. Yep. We got to a point now where we couldn't go at all. You know, Nike shut down all their stores. I mean, but they're still profitable. People are still buying sneakers. Why? Because Nike leaned into tech before all of this. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to take it to like the small business realm in terms of marketing and business, like the, the restaurants that, that were fighting against being on your DoorDashes, your Postmates, and Uber Eats now is like, oh shit, we don't have a choice. We have to lean into this in order to survive. So, if you had a business model where you understood, like if you go on the Nike sneakers app right now, it looks like Instagram. They have stories and stuff now. They got narratives around buying shoes. They got they have uh, polls for how if you buy the shoe, you're gonna keep it on ice. You're gonna wear it now. They got all of this stuff <laughs> and, and how you and how you interact with that tells them a lot about their shoe. Let's say for every single drop they do, they ask if you're going to. Wear them now or keep them on ice. It informs them of what shoe they should probably lean into the most because yeah. they want you wearing them because you're walking billboards. Mm. So, mm.
0: so let, let's get in that that uh, HBR article. Um, they have three key themes uh, in it uh, talking about a new baseline, as well as rethinking the in-person experience, as well as digitally native c- customer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Still, you want to take it or you want me to take it? No, go ahead. You got to be dog. Uh, <laughs> I, su- I support you. <laughs> <laughs> so, there were, so there were a few things in it. And the HBR um, article was essentially about we're all kind of preparing for how to survive through COVID. But some of this shit ain't changing when, when we come out. So how are you actually adjusting for the new world we live in? Um, so, so it started off with kind of a new baseline. Um, And it talks about a new baseline of retailers how they accept just kind of the aspect of um, brick and mortar operations being very very different from a health um, aspect. So wearing masks, talking about the number of people in there, talking about the the, the, your ability to kind of have customer service that can get consumers in and out of that experience in in a in in a efficient way, Um, and and that may be different for for different um, retailers. It may be different for you know, uh, a Shake Shack or a, a Nike shoe drop who may have or Apple release who have mm-hmm. a, a long line versus um, some other ones who, who may not always have that kind of um, that experience. So mm-hmm. nobody, not necessarily nobody, but people won't be necessarily um, as accepting of kind of sitting in a store for hours and hours and hours, Hundred which we've all probably done in and, Apple. At some and point. even
2: and this is this is something he didn't mention, but would be the new baseline. On the other side of that, the fast fa- the fast fashion companies, your Interdex, which owns Zara, and your um, H&M's, one, we don't have any place to go. Yep. That's number one. Number two, fast fashion <laughs> only works if it's like, oh, damn, I'm in D.C., you, you know, for the shot, weekend. Shot I, yeah, I, I forgot <laughs> to bring a button up. Let me pop in here real quick and get a button up and some socks. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't. We don't really or people that shop at H and M don't really shop offline. It's like or online rather, they would pop in the store, pick something up real quick yeah. and bust a move. Yeah. That's that model for fast fashion.
1: And the other thing about the fast fashion models is based on trend. So yes. when everyone's at home ain't no trends. Sweatpants forever. You know yeah. what I mean? So what are the trends that You're gonna wanna go to the store to say, Oh, I've been seeing people wearing this on the street. I wanna buy my version of that. You're not you don't have that right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's
2: uh let's get that merch though. Sweatpants favorite, that's a great shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of truth, I didn't
0: I didn't notice uh Dave's outcast shirt (laughs) today.
2: Stank on you. Stank on you.
0: I actually bought this same shirt like three, four years ago. I bought it too small and never and got then small And you donated enough. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. This is the same you one. You could have
2: saved Dave his 28 bucks for sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got this, bro. When
0: I lose his five pounds, <laughs> <laughs> that's your <year, dude. laughs> That
1: snapback. Yeah, yeah it never <laughs> happens. That snapback back is important. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Uh, so the second thing they brought up was the rethinking of an in-person experience. And there was kind of a huge, I think, focus within the industry of just building up your, your in-store experience. Um. And... Saying essentially people will have to to kind of uh, overthink this or 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 further think this in order to get people kind of a reason to expose themselves to health risk within stores. I think Don't what's
3: know. um so le- left the uh bubble of New York uh, this past weekend uh went up to Portland maine, and I think that um one I felt extremely safe um I felt like they had all the things in in, in place where you mask, blah 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 everything that we've known. Or have been told that will keep us safe. But but the, the biggest thing I saw, two things. One, the QR code is having a massive comeback. Mm. Big time. The QR yeah. code is Wow. Is, big time. And it and, and it's so yes. that's a big thing. It's so very oh, functional and simple. And essentially what it facilitates is this thing of I want to serve you, but I don't want to in, in, uh, invade your personal space. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it provides the perfect thing for the retailers. And then the second thing is how do you give a consumer very quickly a personal experience, right? If you are able to dine at a restaurant, it's because you are sitting outside. And if you are sitting outside, that's that they're trying to limit their contact with you. So there has to be very high impact feelings of, you know, you projecting this energy, you, the business of, I'm here to take care of you, I'm here to keep you safe, spend this money. And that's hard to do in a very short amount of time.
2: I was about to say, because if you think about the QR code aspect of it, it's like, and this is what I've learned about COVID in every single industry. Like I think we'll all agree with this. It's only further accelerating things we've already known. Correct. Right? So mm-hmm. you think about the QR code. We've known that it's probably going to be robots that's going to be bringing out your food real <laughs> soon. Anyway, so it's like mm-hmm. if I just get the menu and I order the same way I order on Seamless when I'm at the crib and you just bring it you out. You just bring the food to that's me. That's it.
3: And, and look, and 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 you got to smile at me. I can't even yeah. see your fucking face. Yeah, exactly. Right. Your <laughs> eyes, you know you, like, you got to smile do with, your it all with your eyes. Like, <laughs> it, it's a totally different service experience but i do think that that's also making the service industry kind of lean on what people go out for yeah cuz yep. they
2: got less to they got less tools you got to work with <laughs> yeah. less to you make, make you feel less. like oh that was great cuz you still they still asking for tips that that didn't change you, <laughs> you know what so yep. yeah it's, it's it's a very interesting way that we're we're, we're headed i guess
0: and then, and then the last point they have on here is, is talking about the digitally native customer experience, yep. um, and really talking about more so. I think consumers or retailers have tried very, very much to replicate the um cons- the in store experience online. You even saw it with Macy's uh, over the last couple of years of trying to trying their hardest to um, make it feel like you're in store and kind of walking around and have kind of a, a retail assistant um, help you. But but what we're talking, what they're talking about here is how do you More so, embrace technology Mm -hmm. and create a great digital experience. Like, do you need to be investing more in different size models or mannequins Mm -hmm. to wear different uh, the clothes to show how it fits on these different sizes, or even Um, like
2: different technology to help you size yourself at home? Like, like, like Warby Parker did this. AR, such a big deal, right? AR, exactly Mm -hmm. to be able to you know upload a picture of yourself or move your head in a way that you can see yourself through those frames to see if they fit you,
1: right? Yeah. Because I I think to that point, it would also be, it would be important to understand consumers' behaviors as they go into the store and why they want to go to the store in the first place. So one would be that you go to the store because you can look at anything you want online, you ain't going to know how it fit until you try it on. Yeah. So that's one thing. Yep. And then I guess the other piece of it, too, is that I actually don't know what I want, so I want to go to a store and be able to touch, feel, explore the sensory experience. So, like, whoever can figure out how to package that in an interesting way in an in-store experience, I think are going to be the companies that win.
0: Yeah, I um – um. Now we've gone through, like, all all the the relevant topics. Uh, My piece, I I, I think, um, goes back to the snapback. And I think everything they're saying is true, and we have to prepare ourselves for that. And if you're ignorant, thinking it's the exact same world when you come out, then then you're wrong. However, I I do believe, and same thing, We talk about, like, social justice – it's a rubber band and throughout, throughout historically we've stretched, stretched, stretched that rubber band and then you snap it back. Um, and that doesn't mean that it snaps back at the same tightness that it was before. Mm-hmm. It ends up being a little bit looser. Things are a little bit different, mm. but wherever it is at that, that highest tension isn't necessarily where it's going to stay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I think people need to prepare themselves at the same time. Um, there's an aspect of, of, uh this the world will come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The world yeah. will come back. No, I totally agree. Um awesome episode. Um we could do another another shopping song, a little balling. There it oh is. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I
1: forgot how sensual this starts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, know, right?
2: it's, it's the sample.
1: <laughs> it is, it it's is. It's definitely
0: the sample. Thank uh, you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode thirty four of the Marketing Miss <laughs> podcast. Uh retail in COVID. Uh, I am Mike Summers. Dave Smith. Stu Canelius. Jeff McHenry. And we'll be back. Rape review, tell a friend, tell a homie, tell a colleague, tell your black colleague, tell your white colleague. And tell the, all the other ones, too. And we'll be here next week. I'm no into the bloody bottoms is underneath. Cause all my
2: niggas got it out the streets. I keep a hundred rounds. I remember hitting a mall with a whole team. Nah, nigga, can't answer call cause I'm balling. I was waking up getting racks in the morning. I was broke, now I'm rich, these niggas salty. All this designer on my body got me drip drip. And straight up on the objects, I'm a big trip. If I got up on a lean, i am a sip sip. I run the racks with my queen, like London learning nip. But I got rich on all these niggas, I did it for get back.